electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, thought leaders from interviews we recorded in front of live audiences around the country. And today, we bring you a conversation with Greg Brown. He's the very interesting, uh, very long-tenured CEO of Motorola Solutions. He joined us at our Evolve conference in Chicago back in September of 2019, and I'm Joined in the studio today by my colleague, Becky Quick, who interviewed Greg Brown on stage at the event. Becky, welcome. Good to have you here. Good to see you, Todd. Brown has a very interesting backstory. I mean, people do know Motorola mostly through its flip phones, its yep. Razor, its StarTac. It was kind of the cellular pioneer. Uh, but the company has a long, long history that goes back 100 years. Yeah, if you... Uh, were somebody who was just around in the 1990s. You knew them only for the Razor phones, for the flip phones. That was about two-thirds of their business by about 2007. But if you go way back, this is a company that really started serving all kinds of needs when it came to um, two-way radios, when it came to walkie-talkies, when it came to um, police, fire, uh, emergency systems, all kinds of places where they were just trying to make sure you could communicate with as little space in between and as little as fast response time as you possibly could. Um, the cell phones, though, really changed their business pretty dramatically. And then the cell phone business changed, yep. and they had to change. And this is what Brown really had, where Brown really had to dig in. Right, was they had the lead, mm-hmm. and then they lost it. Right, because BlackBerry. Was a BlackBerry before you even got and before BlackBerry lost it to iPhone. BlackBerry was the disruptor that came along. BlackBerry was the smartphone, right? They were the first smartphone. They put the smart in smartphone. They did, and then they get outspaced by by iPhone and others, including uh, Samsung and so on and so forth. But Motorola just didn't have it, right? Um, when Greg. Brown took over the job. This was a huge issue that had come to a head. The company was in a whole lot of trouble. It was 2011 when he took over, and there was an activist who was rattling his cage and rattling pretty harshly. That activist was Carl Icahn. And, and you know how Carl Icahn, Icahn can really shake things up. So he came in, and Greg had to deal with, in a matter of weeks, these decisions of how to handle the activist, of what to do with the company, of how to try and change the fortunes of this entire place. I've known Greg a long time, um, but I never knew the backstory of exactly how dire things had become and how greatly it impacted him. And that's what I loved about this conversation is he really opened up took you through what his days and nights were like at that point. And it was really kind of an amazing thing. That's where we kicked off our conversation at CNBC's Evolve Conference in September of 2019. Listen in. We had at one point 50 percent of the market on cell phones. Yep, in the Incredibly 90s. well known. The idea that you were just going to lop off that appendage? Well, so that's in the 90s. By the time I was named CEO, our market share was single digit. It was hemorrhaging cash and earnings. And my very first board meeting, three weeks into my tenure, maybe four weeks in, the very first one as CEO, I made the recommendation to exit the cell phone business. What was the reaction? Well, they were stunned, but it was, they knew we were probably six to eight quarters away from bankruptcy. 
I mean, this was a stark, stark situation. And I said, we have to announce, the first thing was to announce strategic alternatives and then refine that two weeks later that said we intended to spin, separate or spin the business. Now that's fine, but to do that, given our capital structure, we had to stem the losses, get the business closer to break even, um, and we had to massively cut costs, move quickly, also in the first 30 days of being CEO. Uh, I fired the president of that business and was going to run that business and Motorola at the same time. The interesting challenge was I had run every business in Motorola except the cell phone business. Hmm. So now I was CEO, Icon still a big investor in the stock, and running the cellular division, which was hemorrhaging a lot of money. Um, we moved quickly. We made the decision to split and separate. You know, people say, what a great decision. It was an obvious decision. Uh, I don't think it was a hard one. Um, and you never let a good crisis go to waste. So we moved quickly. Never let a good crisis go to waste, meaning that you were able to mobilize people and really get things done. No doubt. On that decision, yes. Shortly thereafter, um, I asked the board to settle with Carl Icahn because mm -hmm. I didn't want to go through another proxy fight, and I said it's better to have him inside the tent pissing out than out pissing in. <laughs> um, and quite frankly, I said if Icahn sees the information we see, I'd rather work with him than fight him. Um, and I will tell you, Becky, that is definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made by um, working with Carl and bringing him in with board representation. I know it's counterintuitive, yeah. and it's not easy, and it's not fun, but um, I viewed Icon, you know, the godfather of activism. He could work with management and be a catalyst and an accelerant. By the way, not just for management, but for the board. One of the best decisions I ever made. It's kind of like you're a bulldog at that point. You go sick him on other people. Well, I didn't have that ability because I, I, I remember him calling me, uh, you know, three days into the job, and I'll clean up the conversation. But in essence, saying I don't know who you are, um, but if you don't get this thing fixed in nine to twelve months, we'll find somebody else. Um, the kind of inspirational talk I expected from Carl, but. Um, <laughs> No, but nonetheless, he's a no-nonsense. Your, your first reaction was, okay, come to dinner. Let's be pals. <laughs> well, here's what I did. Um, uh, I didn't keep him at bay. I always was accessible. I always told him the truth. If I didn't know, I didn't know. Um, and uh, whatever I told him I would do, we did. So sometimes you feel the pressure to please. Yeah, we'll try to hit this target. I think I said, Carl, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's what we're going to do. I had Becky dozens and dozens and dozens conversations with him and his team. Um, hard days, but it was the right thing to do. Are you still friends with him? I am friends with him. I see him uh, a couple of times a year uh, for dinner at his place. Um, I like Carl. He made me a better CEO. He made our board better. Um, and uh, quite frankly, he deserves a lot of credit for shaping me. Um, you know, I was intimidated, he's tough, he's rough, um, but I found Icon to be fair. Tough and firm, but fair. And he's a guy that uh, attacks you from the front. There's no guessing, he's right out there with it. Coming up, Greg Brown's moment of reckoning and the advice that helped him make the toughest decision of his career. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to the keynote by CNBC Events. You're listening to an interview with Greg Brown, CEO of Motorola Solutions. He spoke to my friend and colleague Becky Quick at CNBC's Evolve Conference in Chicago in September 2019. Brown's picking up on the Motorola story from back in 2011 when only weeks into his tenure as the CEO, he decides that the only way to save the 90-year-old company is to split it in two. You said this was an easy decision and one that was very obvious. You didn't say easy, you said obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easy, I would guess, is another story. I, I, I read at one point a story about you pacing your home at three in the morning, you weren't sleeping at the time, your wife came up to you. What yeah. was going on? There? Well, so we make the decision to split. Um, I don't know whether we had settled with Icon or not, um, but it was dire. And um, it was the most pressure I've ever felt in my career. Um, I lost about 30 or 40 pounds in 40 days because when I get super, super, super stressed, I stop eating, like literally. So I was nibbling on crackers and drinking water. Um, And I was walking around in the middle of the night, and Anna comes up and says, you know, what are you doing? And I said, you have no idea how bad this situation is. You have no idea. And she said, you're right, I don't. More importantly, I don't care. Um, I said, well, okay. Um, She said, what I care is that you, instead of walking around the house with your shoulders slumped, need to uh, think about the 65,000 people at Motorola that are waiting for you to lead. I mean, that was literally the exchange. I was looking for maybe, and I love you, but I didn't. (laughs) Um, Now, it was a harsh, not harsh, it was direct. I didn't put on a cape and fly to work the next day. Um, but it was a sobering inflection point where she said, you got to do what you got to do. And you have the cards that have been dealt, but you got to play them. Um, and I remember that moment for sure, Becky. Mm-hmm. All right, now you're in a position where Wall Street loves you. Stock's been up incredibly. All the analyst reports I were looking through had you rated overweight because they love the fact that you're not dealing with fickle consumers anymore. You have governments. That's a, a much more sure stream of, of revenue. It's a recurring stream of revenue, and they see a lot of potential for growth. I think they said two-thirds of the PSAPs, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yep, 911 command centers. Yep. With two-thirds of them are places you already are, which leaves a third that you still can go into. And of those customers, only 25% of them are, are using two or more applications. So you have lots of other stuff that you we can do. sell them. You're buying into new lines. You're making acquisitions. You're coming up with new products. Take us through what the plan is from here. So in essence, we wanted, I wanted to get out of hardware businesses, get out of consumer electronics business that typically are disrupted or dislocated by the Koreans or the Chinese, and they compress the margin profile and play on the heritage and history of what brought us to the dance to begin with. By the way, the name Motorola um, stemmed from the car radio in the 30s, where it was uh, the Victrola um, and uh, the car radio, um, or motor vehicle and Victrola. 
So motor vehicle, Victrola, Motorola. And so it was Galvin Manufacturing. So what I like about the businesses we're in is they're end-to-end systems businesses. They're platforms. You have infrastructure. You have edge devices. It could be a radio. It could be a camera. And then you have a system software that connects it. I don't like businesses where switching is easy. Um, you can disintermediate or dislocate, and they're commodity. So we have a platform with mission-critical communications, Chicago PD, New York PD, Las Vegas PD, where the private network, not cellular network, these are private networks uh, that run the mission-critical walkie-talkies, if you will, for police, fire, medical. Those are separate networks, not AT&T, not Verizon, not T-Mobile, not Sprint. There's 13,000 of those around the world. So we have these installed platforms. We monetize and upgrade the systems. We churn the radio subscribers. We wrap around software and services. The PSAPs, or public safety answering points, or 911 centers, there's 6,000 plus in the U.S. We have low penetration. We have software. So think we're at situational awareness with the first responders communicating. They then have to send information to the 911 center. How do I take the 911 call? How do I do CAD dispatch? How do I load into evidence and records management? We're now in that platform business on the software side, and the third leg of the stool is video security and analytics. Both the black globes you may see might be Motorola. So we're in fixed video. We're in in in-car video where police officers, you typically see dash cam. And then third, we're in body worn. So, Becky, we have pivoted the company to platforms, to systems. Roughly a third of the business is software and services, which is a proxy for recurring revenue. So the ability to monetize, upgrade, expand, leverage brand incumbency, and the capital structure that we have in the company uh, is a much, much, much better business. Uh, more barriers to entry, more competitive advantage, uh, and the ability to uh, migrate our customers with a longer sales cycle. 75% of our businesses, governments, state, local, municipal, uh, federal, and in the case internationally or countries, uh, where they provision and uh, build these systems. So. Uh, there's the, the TAM, the addressable market for the markets we're in, are just under $40 billion. Our annual revenue is about eight. There's room to run. You still can't get complacent, though. You've got to come up with new stuff. I know you've been on a series of acquisitions. For, uh, you've made a series of acquisitions. Where do you look for what the next evolution is? Where do you look for where your competitors are coming? How do you kind of keep up to date to make sure nobody laughs? So always keep an outside-in perspective. Uh, The head of strategy, Raj Nayak, came out of AMD. Our CTO, uh, Dr. Mahesh Saptharishi, came through an acquisition of Avigilon, our video business. Guy who runs our software business was recruited out of Microsoft. So it's a delicate blend. You want to keep the, the innovation, the tradition, the history and the pride with existing Motorola people and blend in and feather in the acquisitions with a thoughtful integration. You don't want one dominating the other. Um, We continue to invest more than all of our competitors combined in internal R&D. And to your point, we've spent about $3.5 billion more than that, $3.7 in in tuck-in acquisitions over the last four years. As I extrapolate out, it's probably going to be an existing combination of that as well going forward. What are you going to be using artificial intelligence for? So I think that um, uh, I think we can use uh, enhanced AI in our video security and analytics business. I think we can lo- use it inside the company for process automation uh, and decision support. Um, 
uh, stay tuned on that front because we have the platforms. We'll organically invest and make acquisitions. We have a, a large addressable market. But now I think it's all about the intelligence that you put on these platforms. Because, look, everybody's overwhelmed with information. You look at a first responder. Look at what he or she wears on his vest or belt. How do you? So we have everything we design and develop. Eyes up, hands free for communications. You think at the, on the public safety answering positions, the 911 centers, you go into them, a person is sitting in front of four terminals and four mice. They're overwhelmed with information. If you go to a video center, you'll see people with 12 or 15 uh, monitors, all kinds of video eye candy, and you're trying to look on the corner of Michigan and so-and-so. The, the artificial intelligence can automate what a human can only consume on video. It can automate workflow within the command center software. It can automate taking alerts or alarms, detections, perimeters, and anomaly detection, and without human intervention, um, provide information to a first responder. That's the kind of thing we're, we're looking at next. Coming up on the keynote, Greg Brown on the power of middle management and the ultimatum that cost him 10% of his workforce. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Welcome back to the keynote. You're listening to a conversation with Motorola Solutions CEO Greg Brown, who joined us at CNBC's Evolve conference in September 2019. He spoke to my colleague, Becky Quick. In terms of this audience, these are people who are looking for leadership lessons. What would you say um, to people who are on their way? What's something you've learned that you would tell anybody starting off? So let's start with my biggest mistakes. Um, People. Um, the only thing worse than a bad decision is not correcting it. So when you make one, uh, you can coach, encourage, cajole, hope, but sometimes it's better to cut bait sooner. That's inside or out. Uh, I moved too slow, moved fast on separating the company, moved fast on settling with Icon. I think moved relatively fast on cutting expenses, but in general, moved too slowly to model the pace. Third, compl- Wait, should I back that up. Model too, move too slowly on what? I just think, I think that, um, so the culture of Motorola um, historically was grounded in innovation and full employment. That was effectively the contract. Uh, not dissimilar from IBM back in the day. And I'm moving making these decisions. 
the portfolio, the expense reduction. What I didn't understand, Becky, and misread was the power uh, of the culture, the existing culture. So I would do all of the what's, but I never explained the why. I thought it was obvious. It's not obvious. So I didn't do that well. I didn't do that right. And when, here's the other thing. Whenever you're communicating change, um, communicate why you're doing it and how does it affect them. The second one, I didn't do well either. Um, so in retrospect, I think I generally moved too slowly on people. Mm-hmm. Um, I misappreciated or underestimated the existing culture. The power of middle management can make or break a company. You can do all the great speeches and interviews at the top, but if it isn't flowing through, it ain't happening. Um, a couple of other things. I think that, I think, so I've been in the job 12 years. First four years was Icon. Second four years was Value Act and Jeff Ubbin. And the last four years is Silver Lake and private equity. If I, to really paraphrase my career as CEO, survive with Icon, focus with Value Act, grow with Silver Lake. The other thing that helped me was using an activist uh, as a catalyst for change in the company and in the boardroom. So instead of looking at them as a, as a straight-armed adversary, I said, how can they help? Um, that's one I would offer. And really, really, in the translation to you is, how do you get outside information? So I'm a voracious reader. Now, I don't read novels and books, but I'm reading Business Week, Fortune, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, The Tribune, The Financial Times, uh, Foreign Affairs, The Economist. And I read it and stay current as much as I can weekly. I'm a voracious, stay current person. The other is I have the benefit of building a pretty extensive network, not just of executives here in Chicago, but on, in Silicon Valley on the West Coast using Silver Lake and Value Act, using financial people um, uh, on the East Coast. I'm from New Jersey and New York. And I don't hesitate to pick up the call and call Mark Benioff, call Shantanu from Adobe, text Sacha. And I, I think that too often, sometimes you let your ego get in front of yourself and maybe you don't want to bother people or ask a question. I'm a relentless question asker. Um, and I'm Socratic, so I like to iterate. Um, and so keep your network current, reach out for help, have a couple of people that are close to you, that know you, love you, and don't have their own agenda that you can source. Um, one of the per- people that uh, was instrumental in uh, helping me, it was my wife, no doubt, who's my best friend. It was my son, Troy, and we don't have time to go through that. But he's a sharp, now 32-year-old BC grad who followed Motorola, always dad's career, and I would share with him what's going on inside the company. He was a sound, old soul, mature behind his years advisor. Um, And Kelly Mark, Harvard business grad, young guy, uh, brought him up when I first got the CEO job. He was with me through every single piece of the transformation of the company. Smart, analytical, no agenda, bluntly candid. Greg, I disagree. You're heading in the wrong direction. You got to make sure you're getting real information because the higher up you go in the ether, the less real the information you're getting. Um, We have time for a couple of questions. Right back here. Hi, Caroline Seisel, Reyes Holdings. When you were talking about middle management, you said if it's not flowing, that's a problem. So how have you made sure that the information is flowing 
and that you're um, able to get your message across with and through middle management? Um, three, three, re- three ways. Um, one, I am uh, active in skip and skip level engagements more than I ever have before. Two, succession planning. I probably know and track instead of the top 10 or 20 people, probably the top 150 to 200 people. Um, I know where they are. I know where they're ranked. I know what they make. I know how long they've worked in their position. I I think I know what they want to do. Um, And we have spent a much better time on development and rotation. Um, And uh, what was the third thing I was going to... Oh, so 2014, uh, we're transforming the company, pop, 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 pop. It's nice to hear all the nice statistics now, but life wasn't linear. It was very rocky. And I kept hearing, you know, the company... People don't think we have a strategy. They don't understand the strategy. I said, I, I don't get that. I think it's bullshit. What do you mean? What? I was pissed. Pardon me. What, is it, what do you mean you don't understand? What I found is that the people that reported to me, some, and directly under, they didn't buy into the strategy. So I had a famous, or I guess infamous, officer meeting. We do it once a year. I was really angry. So in 2014... I pull everybody together in a room like this, and I did a presentation. I said, for those of you that don't like the company, you want full employment, you want to go back to science projects and investing billions and billions on things that have no return, forget it. In the meantime, for those of you who have been here a long time and think it's a great company, that's bullshit, because here's why. And I showed the historical TSR, total shareholder return, going back 20 years, 15, 10, against the market and the peer group. Motorola was woeful. So I said, through the lens of an owner, this company is a disaster. A disaster. Which means, for those of you who were part of it, you were part of that. So if you want to go back to it, here's my proposition today. Commit or quit. And I don't care which one you do. I swear I said this. And I said, and for all of the HR and lawyers in the room, if you quit, you'll get the best severance package ever given to you at your level. But this game is over. We're moving true north. If you want to go, it's hard. I want you to be there. If you don't, get out. So that event rippled through the company. There were changes at the officer level, not as many as I thought. But just the engagement uh, was different. And when you communicate, instead of saying the company's this or we're strategic, you communicate with the results and the information you want. If you want total shareholder return, if you want cash flow expansion, if you want operating margin expansion, how are are we doing, where are we going, and how do we compare against the market and the peer group? So um, that's what, as well as acquisitions, the infusion of new talent, we have a long, long way to go. But it's actually been pretty invigorating. Uh, Greg, we're out of time, but how many people were in that meeting and how many left? Um, There was about 100 in the meeting. Uh, I thought 20% uh, is, based on my experience, should leave about 9 or 10 left. <laughs> By the way, I also said, I wouldn't recommend this, but I said, I know who doesn't want to be here. I think I know. <laughs> so quit. And for those of you that don't quit, okay, I know who you are. <laughs> no, I said, because I, I think I know. Um, and I don't do that. That's not, but that was, that was a come-to-Jesus reckoning. So 10% left over the next year, another five. We got close to the 20% that I thought plus or minus was right. But that was an event in time. And I, 
look, it was my fault. I wasn't communicating the right information. No one had showed them this information. I should have made myself more visible. I can talk all I want about people, culture. This is my fault. Organizations and leaders get the tone that you tolerate. Culture is two things. Everybody talks about culture. It's really only two things. It's what you do and how you do it. That's it. So do you run the company, meetings, people, information, competitive analysis, financial return? Do you culturally, if someone came in and said, this is how I run the firm, would you say, boy, that's really what I want the company to be? Um, and I wasn't doing enough of it as quickly enough. So I learned along the way, and there's a ton of people. I have the best team I've ever had. Um, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. Yeah, I made some good decisions. My team made more many more than I did. Um, my team and people make this company great, and I'm excited about where we are in the room to run. Greg, you can knock yourself for not communicating your plan more quickly, but I think the key is you have to have a plan and know what you're talking about and know what you're doing, and it's very clear that you do, so thank you for your time. Thanks, we really appreciate it. Thank you. That was Motorola Solutions CEO Greg Brown in conversation with my colleague Becky Quick at CNBC's Evolve Conference in September 2019. Becky joins me now in studio. Lots of lessons uh, that came out of this conversation. This was a long-standing incumbent company that had to throw away a big hunk of its business. What shocked me the most is that he was able to make that decision so so rapidly and was able to kind of stick with it. Now, he talked about culture in this interview and how important that is. But I think one of the best things I learned in that conversation was when he actually said, okay, I know a lot of you here are upset and don't want to work here. Raise your hands right now. So, you know, in or out. And if more CEOs would do that more frequently, I think it would probably stop a lot of the backbiting culture that you see, the poisonous water that happens when companies are going through difficult times. You're either in in this with me, helping me row the boat, or you are sinking us. And I don't want anybody here who doesn't want to be here. At that point, it ends all of the kind of snide comments that could be taking place, all of the undercutting, all of the second guessing. We're here to save this or you're not. That's, so, the, that's the lonely courage of right. the CEO, of a right. great CEO, right. I think. And I think he qualifies as one of them. I know uh, lots of people feel that way because this was really, really an existential moment for that company that he, he, he forgive me, he manned up and, <laughs> and did it, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he really took it on. The other thing that I found very interesting, Carl Icahn is a formidable dude, yeah. okay? Let's, let's just put it, he is the king, maybe, of all activists. And I thought it was very telling that over time, Greg accepted Icahn, learned from Icahn, watched Icahn maneuver, and it made him, he says, a better exec. I didn't believe him when he first started saying it, so I started mm-hmm. peppering him when we walked off yep. stage. I'm like, are you really friends with Carl Icahn? <laughs> he said, yeah, we're really friends. We still talk. We still go to dinner. I think what was probably important is that he made that decision pretty quickly, that he was going to invite him to the table and invite him to come take a seat and would actually listen to him. Wouldn't do everything he said, but he would absolutely solicit his counsel on things. And I think making that decision early is the only way that that could have gone well for him. You, you don't get a second chance at how you're going to handle something like that. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do when somebody's coming knocking on your door saying, you stink. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, and exactly. <laughs> Great, tell me more. I mean, you have to stand up uh, and perceive somebody not maybe as a threat, but potentially as somebody who can help you um, evolve the business. And that's really what this whole conference was about. Great to be with you, Becky. Great to see you, Tom. We appreciate it. The keynote is produced by the CNBC Events team. For more information about CNBC Events, including how you can join us in person, and I invite you to, visit CNBCEvents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. FedEx.